this morning. As we continue in the same spirit of worship, and we come to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, today being the day on which we remember about Pentecost. It's Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, maybe some of you are not aware of that. It is prudent and appropriate for us to understand as to what the Lord requires of us as His people. And the Apostle Paul is aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in every believer as we've been encouraged from chapter number 1 to chapter number 3 of the book of Ephesians. We have heard what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Then, as a way of continuing with what God has acted in us, the Apostle Paul is aware that every one of the sons and the daughters of God is to be set apart, is to be distinguished from the world. There is a work we call sanctification, which is the inward work of the Holy Spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ works in a man by the Holy Spirit when he calls him to be a true believer. Jesus not only washes believers from their sins in his own blood, but he also separates us or he separates such a man, such a woman from his natural love and tendencies to sin, the world, and what he does, he puts within him or her a new principle in his heart and he makes him practically to be godly in his day-to-day work. How then would that look like in a world that's fasted by corrupt people? In a world that's fasted by corrupt behaviors? In a world that thrives on tearing each other apart? Insults, gossips, The last two years we've learned about fake news, anger, rage. The Apostle Paul acknowledges and realizes that Christianity is not a religion that ought to be exercised in the four walls of the church. He knows that Christianity is more than a profession. Rather, it is a practice. There is ethics expected from those who profess to be followers of Jesus. It is with this that the apostle gives us these marching orders. And we are going to focus on verse 29 this morning. Laying aside filthy talk or corrupt talk. Stand on your feet as we read together from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, from verse 17, 31. 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the, their hardness of heart. They have become callous, and they have given themselves up to sensuality, to greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which, is, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up. as God in Christ has given you. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. You may have your seats. As we come to this text, the Apostle Paul, as I've indicated, goes practical. And like any other piece of the Bible, we need the Holy Spirit of God to help us that He may apply it deep into our hearts. Now, therefore, at this moment, would ask you to pray for yourself. Pray that the Lord would allow not His word to return to.
Our Father, you have said in your word that all men are like grass. Their glories are like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, your word lives forever. Who sanctify us. We tend to be familiar to your word many times. We lose sight of you. May you correct us. May you rebuke us. May you encourage the Barnabases in this place the sons of encouragement, the daughters of encouragement, that we may not grow weary in doing good. The evangelists ordained to speak your word to the lost souls, empower them by your spirit. So that no corrupt talk will come out from our mouths, but that which is Profitable to your people, to the lost, but also to the church. So I pray that you would help me to be clear as I serve your bride this morning. Our words are mere words of men unless your Holy Spirit would empower us. Our time together is a mere time of earthly then unless you attend to it by your word may this be a meaningful time in your presence O God so speak Lord your servant is here we say with Mary let it be unto me according to your word O God Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Laying aside corrupting talk. The verse we are to focus this morning is not strange or is it new to us. We have practiced what this verse is refuting of us not to practice. And as we see it in the book of James, chapter number 3, verse number 2, try as we may, we all have erred with our tongues, with our mouths. James will challenge us to say, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect Man. Now, as we approach this particular piece of the Bible, verse 29 of the book of Ephesians, I would love to submit to you, we are to approach it not as perfect men, 
we all have been found guilty. None of us is perfect. And while we may never achieve perfect control over our tongues, over our mouths, I am convinced that many of the fights and many of the misunderstandings, many of the battles and many of the arguments that we do see, many of the relationships that have been broken, whether it be husbands and wives, if husbands and wives would consistently apply this particular verse, we would rarely see divorce. If parents would practice this verse towards their children, we would see few kids or children from Christian homes rebel against their parents. This piece of the Bible, beloved, it's very important because if we applied it towards one another in the church, perhaps we would see few churches split over personality conflicts or minor doctrinal issues. In short, what I'm saying is Ephesians 4.29 is a verse that will bring radical change in all of our relationships. And I'm aware of this as well as you come to this verse because we are going to apply it. We take pains many times to make sure that we have security systems in our homes, don't we? We, we will subscribe to a security company. We will make sure that... contingent plans? Should we have a panic button? Should we have this or that? We put all those contingent security systems in our homes for this objective, that thieves won't enter our homes, break in, or if it is a house of somebody who is well-known, respectable in our communities, they will have bulletproofs. So that no bullets would find their way through their windows, hurt their loved ones. No knife can cut anyone even who is closer to them. We will make sure that we exercise due diligence with regards to security systems so that our loved ones are not hurt. No, would we imagine having a house that has weak foundations? Only look at it in that way as well. A house with weak foundation that it fell on them that are in the house. It ruins them and then it kills them. You will not do that. You make sure the house has proper structures, proper walls, prepared so that in moments of danger, we are well preserved. But as cautious as we are, I want you to know, uh, let's take time to consider that there is one security system that must be installed because 
of one bullet, if you want to call it, one knife, one hammer that has destroyed more homes than anyone else. One spark of fire that has destroyed many marriages than anything else. You've heard it. I did not mean that. I was not thinking of that. I won't say that again. I have said it. But calling each other names, you know what I'm talking about. There is one place that we've not maybe exercised due diligence enough to protect our homes and our families our churches, and that is our mouth. Many relationships have been destroyed. Many futures, as it would, tarnished. Many feel as though they don't belong. Many feel as though they are nobodies. Many feel as though they are insignificant. And all those things are happening right inside the protected walls of our homes. Our mouths. So I want to pose this question to you this morning. Are you speaking to your neighbor? Your loved ones, especially those in your house, those in the church. Are you speaking to them in such a way that you, you are aiming to the word to your loved one, not because they died. Because we are good ideologies. When was the last time you spoke a kind word to a brother or sister, admitting and acknowledging the evidences of the grace of God in their lives, and you were able to encourage them? How then can we or should we then speak in a manner that we'll be able to glorify God and to be able to be also of the good of those who hear us? So this text, beloved, verse 29, gives us three guidelines we must follow in order for us to speak for the glory of God and for the good of others. Amen? Three guidelines. Knowing that sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who is at work in us, number one, the Apostle Paul tells us, one, we must guard our mouths. Look at verse 29 with me, chapter number 4. Paul says, let no corrupt talk. He calls us to action. He is inviting us to take a stand. Like a watchman who is going to make sure that they will not allow any robber to come in the house. Paul says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. 
The word corrupt, the Apostle Paul uses there, the, 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 that word is from a Greek word, sapros, which means anything that causes decay, anything that causes to rot away, anything that can be corrupted. It describes that which is in the state of rottenness or petrifying, as in a petrifying wound. Anything that's corrupt, disgusting, anything that's perishing, the apostle is saying, do not allow any worthless talk come out from your mouth. Don't allow it. The Holy Spirit is working in them. Now, because the verbal communication provides a primary means through which we will then be useful among us ourselves as believers. Remember that the apostle has already addressed this. Go to chapter number 4, verse number 15 with me. As the apostle tells us this, Look at verse number 15. He's already addressed the issue of how we use our mouths. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow. In every way into him who is the head, into Jesus. So we are continuing the speaking. Matthew chapter 7 verse number 17 to 18. Listen to the words of Jesus and this actually ties in to this same topic of what comes out of the mouth with regards to the But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. That term bad is the same term that Jesus Christ, uh, that Paul is also employing in the book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 18 with me. And the Lord says, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So if you are a Christian, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are a woman who claims to be one who is one with Christ, one among us the many fruits that must be evident that the, 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 the real 
tongues we are expecting to see. The real sanctified tongue we are expected to see and to witness are words that are meant to build. Not the rotten ones. You see, not the disgusting words. Not the corrupt, rotten words. The foul language. The vulgar speech. The curse words that have become a norm. As you're watching movies, Hollywood these days, they paint it as though it's cool to swear. And some people cannot speak but swear every sentence they speak. Paul is saying, God your mouth from those rotten grapes. Or another picture that is used for this in secular Greek writings, this term was also used for fish. A rotten Christ gives to us in Matthew 13 verse 48. The story is told there concerning the the work of God among us sinners. And listen to how the Lord Jesus Christ in this parable uses this statement And he says from verse 47, just to keep it to context, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea. And it was gathered, and it gathered every fish of every kind. Now here's the term. Same term, rotten fish. Verse 48. When it was full, men drew it ashore, and they sat down. What are they doing? They start to sort it out. They sorted the good into containers. And what do they do with the bad ones? They threw away the bad fish. The bad fish thrown away. The term and the language that the Bible depicts and uses here, it's the same term that Paul is depicting with regards to those words that are coming out of the mouth of one who claims to be a Christian, but their words are rotten words. So then by implication, I want you to see here, as the rotten fish cannot nourish anyone who consumes it, as rotten grapes are not able to give joy and gladness to the one who protects them, so are rotten words. Uh, as rotten grapes on the ground are not able to, you, to be used to make a heart glad, so are words that proceed from the mouth of one who claims to be a Christian and is speaking to somebody else. That same term can also be used for crumbling stones.
so loose, like those stones that are so loose, can only be used to throw at others and destroy them. So the apostle is saying, God, your mouth. That's what he's saying. But, but, but then if we only deal with this on the surface, then we have not dealt with the principal issue here. Because these words are not words that are just spoken, and you need just to speak and make sure that you close or you zip your mouth. Anyone can do that. But there's a principal issue that the apostle has in view here. The principal issue that the apostle has in view here, he knows that the words that are spoken from the lips of one who is speaking are proceeding from where? From the heart. Listen to the words of Jesus. I've quoted Jesus, Matthew chapter 12, because Christ was concerned about this as well amongst the religious people of his day. Listen to what he says in chapter number 12 of the book of Matthew. Chapter 12, verse number 33 to 37. Listen to the words of our Lord and our Master Jesus. He says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Why? He says, For the tree is known by its fruit. Person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, listen to this warning. On the day of judgment, people will be people will give account. On the day of judgment, people will give account for, or let's put it there, for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your word you will be condemned. So all those loose words are actually coming from the heart. It is from the abundance of the heart that the man, the woman is speaking. Now that you have a new heart, what ought to come from you ought to be that which edifies. Corrupt talk, speaking evil of others, quarreling and dissensions, foolish controversies, gossips, false teachings, curses against people, curses against God. All careless words, including blasphemy against the Lord Jesus, and the unpardonable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Every word you speak, you will be held accountable by God for it. 
You see, it's the Lord Jesus Christ now who sets the standard so high. Amen? Now, we are in the social media age. This also connects to every word you type. You may say, no, but I don't speak, I just type. Yes, every word you type. Amen? Yeah, it also applies to that. Every word you, 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 you type, every word that you... Before you, you click the send button, Paul is saying... in that context he has told us about anger he has said in your anger do not sin in your anger do not sin do not let the sun to go down on your anger meaning in your anger it is possible and very much possible so in your anger that is when you are most vulnerable to speak words that are not wholesome So do not use careless words as the Lord Jesus Christ would warn us. Because such words, they have these four effects, four ramifications. Number one, they are unprofitable and they are worthless. Such words, they ruin the unity of the church or any community or any society that has ever existed, if words are said loosely, if words are said without thought, if words are said, whether it be in the face of the person or behind their back, wherever you choose to use your words, whether you choose to bite them at their back, or whether you choose to speak to them rushing words of anger and rage, of displeasure, which Walked this walk of faith. How many people left churches because of a word said to them? How many? How many couples are fighting because of a word spoken? Sometime last year, some of them have that energy to even keep a grudge that long. It has caused the relationship to rot. It's fishy. You know the word, eh? It's smelling fish. It's, it, there isn't any wholeness. There isn't any healthy relationship.
as devastating. And our children, our family members, our fellow believers, whom we hurt the most, we hurt the most, the people we love the most. Instead of your mouth oozing these words that are corrupt, the apostle then is urging, then as he goes on, he says, but only such which fits the occasion. So grant grace to other believers. That's what the apostle is asking here. That now that you are full of the Holy Spirit, guard your words, make sure that in whatever you are doing, in what you are saying, do not indulge yourself in falsehood or do not indulge yourself in foul words. Whichever one that you love, whether it be falsehood or it be foul words, the apostle is saying, cast all of that away. Or if you are tempted that there is a moment that you can say those words, make sure that you do not. Rather than, instead of indulging yourself in that, grant grace to other people. I've put believers there, but it, it has to apply to all people. Because you cannot only speak nice words only to Christians. The Lord has taken you and positioned you in different spheres of influence. The way that we are going to know that you are a Christian and the world around us is looking forward to see if you are truly a Christian, not only by your church attendance on Sunday, but they want to see how does he or she respond in moments of conflict. Is also watching because you and I may claim to be Christians, but yet in the heat of the moment, we actually are seen to be sons of the evil one. Paul is saying it must not be. Let me remind you, Christian, that your speech, the moment you became a Christian, it is interesting that the Apostle Paul traces the word mouth as he uses it in this particular context in the book of Romans. The, the, the sinner is depicted in chapter number 3, verse number 14. The sinner's mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. But when he trusts Christ, the sinner gladly confesses 
him with his mouth in chapter number nine, in chapter number ten, verse number nine. In chapter three, verse nineteen, we are told a sinner, as a condemned sinner, his mouth is stopped before the throne of God. But as a believer, his mouth is open to praise God. There is a change of the heart that has taken place, and this change of the heart changes your speech. It not only changes your disposition against sin, this change of the heart changes the way you and I ought to speak. Look with me to Titus chapter number 3. And the Apostle Paul has the same in view as he tells the people of Crete, the people of Crete were known to be liars. They were known to be lazy gluttons. Chapter 2, the apostle brings that out. But now having been saved, look at chapter 2. I want us to examine together verse number 3. Paul tells us in chapter number 2, from verse number 1 of chapter 3, he said, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Remind these believers to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. First among us, the good works. Look at verse number two. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle and to show perfect courtesy to all people. You see that? This is the expectation of those who are children of God. Why? Because we used to be like this. Who were we? In case you forget, verse number 3, it tells us, We ourselves were once foolish. We were once disobedient. We were once led astray. We were slaves to various persons and pleasures. We were passing our days in malice and in envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's what we used to be. But when the goodness and the kindness of God appeared, He saved us. He has now redeemed us to this particular end. Verse number 80 says, This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God, they may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent. These things are profitable for people, but avoid, he says, avoid foolish controversies, avoid foolish genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. You see, what we are called to is to this ministry,
spoken. He spoke the world into existence. The God who made the heavens and the earth by the power of the word. The God who became man and sustains you and I and the universe. Every atom and molecule. He sustains it how? By the word of his power. That same God is your father. He has spoken into our souls the word of life. He gave us life. How? It's through his word. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 14 to 17. It is, how will they... Of the Lord. So what the apostle is asking us here, he is asking us to continue that ministry of the Holy Spirit spoken of in verse number 15 of chapter number 4. God, Jesus, the Son, has given gifts to the church. To what end? So that the church would be built Now, in case you may, excuse yourself, you may excuse yourself and you say, I am not an apostle. I am not an apostle. This is what this verse is for. The apostle is saying, you are to be custodians of the grace of God. You speak grace to sinners, but also to saints. So lastly, if you are then at odds with anyone, perhaps because he or she wronged you. You and I are inclined to think that this person doesn't deserve, they don't deserve, they don't deserve my build up. They don't deserve my encouragement. They don't deserve my exhortation. They don't deserve my phone call. And some of us can even say, I cannot even greet them. We say that. What the apostle is saying, it's not because they deserve it. The reason why you are granting grace, it is because grace is undeserved favor. So then, although it may be true that the other person does not deserve the kind words that builds him up, if God did that to you, then you would do it too. You see, this is where verse 31 comes in. You wanted to say, why is verse 31 there? Look at verse 31 with me. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, as God in Christ forgave how did that forgiveness work out? So what the apostle is saying is, be kind as God has been kind to us in your speech. Be forgiving in your speech. Extend forgiveness to those who have wronged you. Forgiveness 
is not something we conceal. Forgiveness is not silent. Forgiveness is verbal and forgiveness is vocal. Forgiveness is both practical and forgiveness must be proclamational. Forgiveness must be extended to those who don't deserve it. Forgiveness has been given to us. And I don't want you to lose sight of this. The Lord, as he was extending the forgiveness, he did not conceal it somewhere in the bush. In the valleys of Jerusalem somewhere, the forgiveness of God was practical. It was proclamational. We see him becoming a man as he goes to the cross. What does he say on the cross? Forgive them because they know not what they are doing. So we extend the grace, speaking kind words to one another, speaking forgiving words to one another. So then as we come to this table, it is an emblem that is declaring to our eyes. If you have unfinished business with somebody else out there, look how much God has forgiven you. He would have condemned you and I. But yet, he called us by his word. Not in silence, by his word. He did not curse us. By his word. He blessed us with his word. You see then. That what is expected in the church. Like ours. Is to be Christ like. And to make much of Christ. And less of ourselves. In your family. Some of you. You have unfinished business with your loved ones. Give them a call this afternoon. If they wronged you. Tell them you forgive them. If you wronged them, ask for their forgiveness. If you have spoken words that are not kind to your beloved brothers or sisters, that too, ask for forgiveness. And as we do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our minds and our hearts.